Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this Tuesday a continuation of my Fascism in Fiction series. This week, I am not talking about a specific instance of fascism in fiction. Instead, I'm talking about a company, an entertainment company, that produces a lot of content that deals with fascism. Specifically, I'm talking about the video game studio Paradox Interactive. Now, as a prelude, there has been a long history of the representation of fascism in video games, of course, just as there has been in all other media since the origin of fascism in the late 1920s and 1930s. Some of the first video games dealing with fascism were the original Castle Wolfenstein, for example, which was a stealth game about escaping a Nazi prison camp that came out in 1982, originally for the Atari and the Commodore 64. Since then, there have been many, many other depictions of fascism in fiction, for example, continuations of the Wolfenstein franchise, which deal with first-person shooting, you know, that is where the player takes on the perspective of the main character who mostly just like holds a gun in front of themselves and shoots people with it. However, one of the other main avenues for dealing with fascism in video games are types of video games that are called strategy video games. Now, unlike first-person shooting games like, you know, Halo or Wolfenstein, for example, these games take a lot more from the genre of board gaming that games like Risk come from. They are about taking over territory and fighting over it. They are about planning economies, and they're about managing your own country. One of the video gaming studios that deals most often in grand strategy games is Paradox Interactive, founded in 2004 in Sweden. Now, a grand strategy game has you leading a group of people or a country through everyday time and also crises. Paradox makes a whole lot of these games, and specifically what they do is they make historical simulator games. They make a lot of different games that are set in different time periods. For example, they have one that's set just after the fall of the Alexandrian Empire. They have one that's set in the Middle Ages in Europe, for example. But they have three that span the entire world. These games are called Europa Universalis, Victoria, and Hearts of Iron. Europa Universalis covers the early modern period, roughly from 1453, that is the fall of Constantinople to the Turks, to the early 19th century. Victoria covers the 19th century, roughly from the post-Napoleonic era to 1919, and Hearts of Iron covers the 1930s through the 1940s, making it a World War II simulator. Theoretically, these games let you play as almost any nation or people that have controlled a substantial amount of territory in the past. Now, the thing about Paradox games that differentiates themselves from other types of grand strategy games and from other games publishers is that they less produce games and more like simulations or sandboxes. If you've played the video game SimCity, for example, that's a little bit more like what we're talking about than even probably Paradox's most similar counterpart in the video game world today, uh, which is the studio that produces Sid Meier's Civilization. The thing about Paradox games is that, much like SimCity, there aren't points, there aren't win conditions, there's nothing for the player to really be trying to do other than to play. They are given a set of rules, they're given a set of countries and players and perspectives to choose from, and they just play in the world. This means that the games uniquely enable and essentially require players to decide on what their goals are ahead of time, before they start playing the game. For example, you might find players whose goal in one initial playthrough of a game might be recreating the British Empire with all of its borders. 
Or another player might say, oh, well, what I want to do is I want to unite Italy centuries earlier than it happened in history. Or another player might say, oh, well, my goal is to maintain an independent indigenous polity, like an independent indigenous nation, through the process of European colonization of the Americas. Or they might say like, oh, well, I want to produce a different political history. Like I want to produce a communist United States or an indigenous-led Canada or something like that. Now, the sandboxy nature of these games is their draw. And it is also the reason that I am talking about them in a podcast that is about fascism. This is where the games enter some murky water. There is absolutely nothing in Paradox Games that stops you from being evil. For example, the medieval iteration of their game, which is called Crusader Kings, is, as it you know seems, named after the Crusades. You can go on the Crusades in them. It is arguably one of the origins of some alt-right obsession, like online alt-right obsession, with the phrase Deus Volt, because that is the name of one of its popular expansions. The game that deals with the early modern era, Europa Universalis, relies heavily on the process of colonization and the territorial domination of the rest of the world by European powers. This means that this game literally does feature fights against indigenous people by colonizers in order to take over territory. It features enslavement, and it features the trade in, you know, stolen goods. It is a game that does not shy away from those horrors, and in fact, not just enables, but in many ways encourages players to participate in them. You know, if their nation doesn't engage in colonization and their neighbors do, they are enriched because of it. Now, unfortunately, even these two examples do not hold a candle to some of the pretty creepy stuff that occurs in Paradox's later two games, Victoria, which, as I said, covers the 19th century, and Hearts of Iron, which covers the early 20th century. Victoria handles the rise of capitalism and the emergence of both the far right and the far left, meaning that players can experience or cause fascist revolutions in their countries. Hearts of Iron 4 is even worse in this respect with players having the option of starting out and playing as Nazi Germany or fascist Italy like right from the get-go. And if you play fascist Germany, you see a little picture of Adolf Hitler next to the, you know, leader of your country, right? Like, that's who you're playing as if you pick Nazi Germany. And the game just, the game just lets you do it. That's just how it works. Now, when it comes to actually depicting and understanding what fascism is, these games have a somewhat mixed record. I gotta say, as a historian, I am very surprisingly impressed by the depiction of the latest version of Victoria. In the latest version of the Victoria video game, there is a surprisingly nuanced depiction of politics, with political parties consisting of factions that are comprised of national interest groups, which are defined by their class, by their ethnicity, by their geographic origin, and their political leanings. This means that the game sort of takes a procedural approach to the emergence of political parties in countries. So you might start out in the United States, which is dominated by the fight between the Democrats and the Republicans. But depending on the direction that you take your United States, let's say that you make it super isolationist and so there's no immigration, then you might end up with a different political coalition at the end of the 19th century than either the Democrats or the Republicans ended up with in the real history of the United States. That's a pretty nuanced way of talking about politics, especially for a video game many of which fall into the trap of having like pre-scripted events like, you know, that there is always a Republican Party or that there would always be abolitionism in the United States. Hearts of Iron, conversely, does not treat politics this way. 
Instead, it treats politics as a series of clicks, you know, just like things that a player can choose uh, on a decision tree. Each country gets its own little decision tree, like a little menu, and you just like click various things on it once you've met the requirements and it takes you down a little path. And every single tree in the game has an option for you to become fascist. Literally every single country in the game can be corralled in the direction of fascism and to join the Axis powers. You can also conversely become a communist country, which in the time of the game, as they try to, you know, shoehorn in is essentially Stalinism, right? That's, those are the two directions that you can go in. Now, I'm a historian. I do not want to see history whitewashed. I do not want it to see it smoothed over. It would be wrong to ignore these factors, these real historical truths in games about the past. It would be wrong to have a game about World War II in which the Nazis do not appear, obviously. It would be wrong to have a historical simulation about the 1600s that doesn't involve colonialism. That would be foolish. It would be, it would be, it would be incorrect. But one of the main problems with these games is that it depicts these ideologies as just like various options that you can choose from, right? They're a series of pluses and minuses, right? Fascism gives you more power for your recruitment of soldiers, but it takes away your ability to engage in diplomacy at a certain level, right? It's just like a, a series of pluses and minuses that the player can pick. Even worse is the fact that these games have these features, and that has made them harbors for right-wing gamers, as if they needed any further excuse to be on the right wing, because of course, video gaming culture is often a hotbed of right-wing politics and reactionary perspectives, especially in the English-speaking world. If you go to the forums of Paradox Interactive or subreddits on Reddit devoted to these games or a million other websites about it, you will read players asking questions like, quote, is fascism objectively the best ideology? Or, quote, how to make X country fascist? Now, that's just like not exactly the thing that I want people to be doing and thinking about in their entertainment. Even worse than this are something that are called mods. Now, if you are not familiar with most of PC gaming culture, mods are short for modifications. They're alterations to games that are made by community members, and those community members make them generally for free. They can enhance or change any feature in a game, or at least any feature that the developers of the game allow the community to make changes on, and Paradox is Pretty unique in many video game companies in allowing players to change almost everything. Now, some of the mods for Paradox Interactive games are pretty innocuous. You know, let's say a player who is from Greece says that, hey, you know, I don't like how Greece is depicted in this game and I want to add some nuance to it. You know, stuff like that, right? However, others are not innocuous at all. Some of them allow players to make their games extremely white supremacist. For example, making the Nazis always win or adding the swastika flag to the German state in the game. These games are made in Sweden, for example, and are sold around the world, which means essentially that they comply with EU standards for the depiction of Nazi emblems, which means that they, they don't meet the requirements. They, they don't depict swastikas. Other mods are so bad that they have even actually been banned from the forums in which most players encounter them because they're just straight up racist, you know, even too racist for a game that, again, lets you just like click Adolf Hitler and be like, I think I'll play Hitler today. Another problem with these games is that they shy away from many of the true horrors of the time periods that they're representing. 
For example, there is no representation of indigenous genocide in the games that deal with colonization. And there is no representation of the Holocaust in the German decision tree in Hearts of Iron, the World War II game, for example. Now, it's not as if I want players to be able to encounter these decisions, as, as if I want players to be just like without a guide, you know, without any historical perspective, be able to like see what pluses or minuses engaging in genocide would give their playthrough and say like, oh, well, you know, given the situation of the board, that's that's what I'm going to decide to do, right? That, that would be monstrous. But the fact that the fact that this is something that the games lack, something that they've chosen to keep out, indicates that the people who make these games know that there are some things that are beyond the pale. They just don't think that fascism is. They think that it's something that their players should be allowed to choose to play, apparently. The other problem is that these games also implicitly equate fascism and communism and even many other political perspectives that are more mainstream, like liberal democracy or republicanism, as just like equal, equal choices, right? One of many choices that people might choose. And again, as a historian, you know, I think that there's something to that, right? You know, saying that fascism is a political ideology that some people have and that we have to confront that fact if we want to understand the world and how it works. However, again, thinking about that, thinking about people experiencing that in play is disturbing, right? It means that fascism is just one of many ideologies that the players might choose, one of many perspectives that the players might pretend that their country is enacting just because it might fit with their role play. And I think that that is the fundamental central problem of these games. These games are the way that a lot of people first learn about a whole lot of history. Schools, especially schools in the United States, are terrible at teaching world history. And the only parts that they ever really get to are the big wars that the United States was involved in. This means that for many kids, for many people playing this game, this might be the first time that they hear about somebody like Juan Perón, or that they might understand about the Spanish Civil War, or that they might know that Italy wasn't always united. And the fact that these games present this world in a sandboxy way, you know, that there's a degree of interest there, of, of, of like a way of teaching kids that, that history isn't predetermined and that various things could happen at various times. But the thing is that if kids encounter that without a guide, without anybody telling them what actually happened or why it actually happened, then they'll get an extremely skewed perspective of history. They will just think about fascism as, oh, it's just another way that a country could go. Just another normal thing that might happen to any country, you know? It's just right there on the decision tree. Just an option. One that has a benefit, one that has some minuses, rather than a monstrous, murderous political movement that threatens the entire world and needs to be stopped at any cost. And uh, I, I think that that's a mistake. I think that that's a big problem that this company is facing. And this is, frankly, as a fan of their games. I have played a lot of them. I've enjoyed a lot of them. But I stopped because I was a little disturbed by that aspect of the gaming franchise. All right. That was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. Check out my Patreon at patreon.com slash 15 minutes of fascism. That's 15 minutes of fascism spelled out in all one word. 
That's also where you can reach me on Gmail, 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H I S T of the right, and fascism15. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>